Welcome to Play for Keeps, a presentation of Ashland New Plays Festival. This play is the property of the playwright who reserves all rights to its use. This recording is the property of Ashland New Plays Festival, Inc., which reserves all rights to its use. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoy the show. Fugitive Colors, a play about the choices women make by Barbara V. Anderson. Cast of Characters. Catherine Dolan. I am 60, well, ish, but I look much, much younger. I speak with a slight Texan drawl, and as you can see, I am very attractive. I keep pictures of myself and my adorable grandchildren on my iPhone. Alicia Pinkston. I am 61 and a half. I am from Texas, but I speak with the precision of someone who trained out the drawl. I update my to-do lists using a voice recognition app on my iPhone. Kimberly Martin. I am 33. I grew up in Chicago and studied in Boston. I am the product development manager for a startup here in Silicon Valley. Of course, I continually text and update social media on my iPhone. Marge Quiston. I am 83. I am spry and spunky. I was born in England but lived most of my adult life here in California. My son gave me this iPhone so I could reach him in an emergency when I walk in the Santa Cruz Mountains. I haven't the heart to tell him there is no reception in the forest. Act 1, Scene 1. Setting. We are at Marge's Santa Cruz Mountain Bungalow, her living room painting studio, is decorated with paintings, sculptures, stained glass, a colorful array of fabrics, and mobiles. There are views of the redwoods, out her windows and through her screen porch. Watercolor portraits are pinned to the walls. All have been wiped with a wet cloth, so the underlying face is partially blurred. A counter divides the kitchen from the living room. There is evidence of smoke damage in part of the kitchen that cannot be seen from the living room. An abstract of paints was used in an attempt to cover the damage. There is a table where the ladies set out their lunch and a sofa where they pose. Marge's painting table and easel are across the room from the sofa. There are brushes, water cans, drawing pads, paints, a color wheel, and a viewfinder. At rise, the spotlight is on Catherine. The set is dark throughout her opening monologue. My husband Chandler had such a tragic death. We were ballooning over Galveston, and Chandler was leaning over the railing with his new digital camera when Fernando, our captain, popped the champagne cork. Well, that and an ill-timed gust of wind, and next thing we knew, Chandler toppled out of the basket. He was falling, falling, and falling into the gulf. I reached out over the basket to wave goodbye. Chandler tumbled and flailed and called my name. I watched him turn into a dog, a rodent, and finally just a teeny tiny cockroach. He waved back at me just before he splashed into the water. I think he waved. I think, I think it was a wave. <laughs> my only comfort was the hope he died instantly. By the time the rescue boats reached him, those sharks had turned him into nothing but a cheap cut of ground round. All they could find was his nose and his penis, both so distinctive. I wanted an open casket, but... <laughs> oh, 
They recovered his camcorder. That man was so brave, he kept filming all the way down. He captured the sky and the underbelly of the basket and the blue of the water below and even those ravenous sharks circling in their feeding frenzy. Chandler was an artist with his camera, a true artist. After the funeral, I took the insurance money and on a friend's recommendation... Y'all can imagine how distraught I was. I took one of those packaged excursions to Buenos Aires, two weeks of tango and sightseeing, one day of surgery, and three weeks to recover. You meet such charming people. The doctor, oh, he was a very handsome man, brought me an assortment of plastic saline sacks to choose my new breasts, from teensy-weensy to elephantine. <laughs> and really... Oh, you start squeezing and playing with those sacks, and you just don't want to stop. I know exactly what men mean about the handful. It's, it's magic. So I went an itty bit bigger than I had planned. Of course, I was still in shock from seeing Chandler's little tiny penis and great giant nose laying there side by side on the white silk in his casket, just so pink and naked and lost. Lights up on Alicia, Catherine, and Marge. Catherine, we know all your stories. They're always new to me. Marge, it's such a beautiful day. You wouldn't rather hike? We can pose next month. Uh, no. Today I want to paint portraits. Maybe we will be in your next retrospective. I can see it now. Our hiking group immortalized the Second Sunday Sisters. You should paint yourself in or we will be incomplete. Well, if we don't take our usual hike, I'll have to work out at the gym or maybe mm, I'll find some other form of recreational gymnastics. Where's our young friend? Where else? In her car, texting. Catherine and Alicia carry their potluck foods into the kitchen. Marge, before she comes in, there was something Alicia and I wanted to talk over with you. We looked into some senior living arrangement. Marge, what happened? Uh, just a little fire. Oh. Nothing much. I painted over it. Rather Jackson Pollock. You had one of your episodes. I got busy with something. Did and you I... see your doctor? Who? Your doctor. Well, of course. That man can't live without me. He thinks I'll bequeath him one of my sculptures. What did he say? He said I was old. What else? There is the clicking sound of a pilot light as Alicia unsuccessfully tries to ignite the gas stove. The gas is turned off. Use the microwave to make the tea. What else did your doctor say? The same as Mum and Aunt Maud, my inheritance... I would have much rather inherited money, but there you have it. Have you tried those new brain exercises? They say that... And alternative medicines. Why, a woman who went to church with my cousin's best friend's mother went to Mexico, and she... Now, where is this magic place in Mexico? Everyone I know seems to be acquainted with a woman at church who has a cousin who has a best friend who has a mother who found a cure there. I have heard all about coffee enemas prayer groups, and the turmeric, ginkgo, coconut oil miracle? It sounds like a stir-fry. There may be a new drug. I read about a drug in England. They tested it on rats. And What do rats need to remember? We should look into medical trials. I have a friend at Stanford. Bruce can find out. Hey, Siri, remind me to call Bruce about Stanford medical trials when I get home. A-list.
Perhaps in a few years there will be a drug, but it will be too late for me. I know this road. I've traveled twice as a passenger. What does Daryl say? Uh, nothing. Have you told him? We talk every day. We had a nice long chat this morning. Have you told him? Daryl is a worrier. He worries my house will fall apart, slide down, blow away. I will fall apart, slide down, blow away. I worry about none of this. I outsourced worrying, bequeathed it all to Daryl. Alicia and I, well, Marge, we are worried about you too. Marge lights a cigarette. Smoking, another of Daryl's worries. I'm 83, and he's afraid I won't live to a ripe old age. My son has a particular talent for worrying. You see, uh, well, I started to say, we made some investigations and found some wonderful places for you to We visited 24 assisted living facilities. We found three we like with immediate availability. I don't need assistance to live. Anyhow, I like it here. Yes, of course you do. But you should think about living somewhere else. Somewhere where, you know, there would be people to look in, you know, take care of you. If, Well, you know. <laughs> I don't know. Marge, before you say no, look at these brochures. They have all sorts of activities and clubs. You want me to live with a lot of old people? All the apartments are affordable, and you will make quite a substantial profit on the sale. Of Alicia this and I will cover any shortfall. And we can take care of the costs so you can move right away while your home is being staged and sold. I've done all the calculations. You want to take away my art and paint my walls white? We can hang your art and paint your walls any color you want, and your new home. Not all of your art, but some of it. Where you will be living will be just like being here, but it will be there. There will be where, dear? Catherine brandishes brochures. Look at this gorgeous landscaping. And this one, every resident has a little garden. Here, this one is right next to a park where you can walk. They all provide long-term care. You can ease into uh, if, when, it becomes necessary. You'll be living closer to us. We'll spend much more time together. Anything could happen to you here. Another fire. Hmm? An injury. You're all alone up here. I have lived alone for 20 years. Things are different now. You must think to your future. And I've already done that. I have my own plan. Now put those things away. But Marge... No, we'll talk later. <sighs> uh, now I want to paint. But we will talk. Later. Call her in. I'll start by blocking in the three of you. Kimberly, we're posing. Kimberly, Kimberly. Kimberly enters, texting. Sorry, work stuff. Then Beth tweeted. Oh, how's Beth? Tired. The job, Robert, you know, everything. I told her not to move to Boston, but would she listen to me? Why start now? She never listened before. And that boy she's living with, all he does is play those computer games. He designs the games. It's all the same. Shouldn't an MIT graduate do something people care about? Catherine, if Beth hadn't moved east and we hadn't met and she hadn't said to contact you when I moved to California, I never would have met you. It's all about serendipitous connections. Well, speaking of connections, tell Beth her phone can be used for calls to her mother. She needn't wait for serendipity to strike. No one has time to talk on the phone. You should follow her on Twitter. She mentions you. Beth twitters about me? Tweets. About you. Sometimes. 
Marge, I can't believe you want to paint us. It's awesome. But won't you miss... Why don't you want to walk? I just feel like painting. How do you feel? You look tired. She works too hard and plays too hard. It's not that. It's, it's other stuff. Kimberly uses her iPhone to photograph the others. She shows them the pictures she's taken. I like this one. I'm trying out some new filters. What's a filter? It changes the colors or focus, sort of like when you mix paints. Then I'm trying a new filter, too. Fugitive pigments. Benzedrine yellow, rose madder, alizarin crimson. Every day a self-portrait, and every day I lift the pigments off the page with a wet rag. Marge gestures to the surrounding paintings. Catherine studies the blurred portraits. But your paintings were so beautiful before. I don't understand. I like them. They're like moving, going somewhere else, or something. Goodbye, moment in time. Goodbye, permanent. Where do you want us? Marge points out the positions on the couch. She observes each woman with special affection. Uh, there. You, you, you. The ladies arrange themselves and pose motionless. Marge fumbles and drops her paintbrush. Ah, uh, my hands. Sculpting was my life. There was a time when I turned grand ideas into three dimensions. Now, now, all I have left are these watercolors. I reduce the world to two dimensions. This is how one ages, losing one dimension at a time. The ladies speak without moving their lips. N you're not going to wipe us off, are you? N no, but you know what Picasso said. The art was the perfect aphrodisiac. <laughs> he said, art is the lie that reveals the truth. I will paint you as I see you today, but the paints will fade until nothing remains but smudges on white paper. Both the lie and the truth disappear. Don't reveal the truth about Catherine's age or she'll never forgive you. Lies and truth require witnesses. Perhaps when a lie is witnessed, it becomes truth. My portraits are my witnesses. Look a little more this way. That's lovely. I feel frozen. Oh, that reminds me. Hey, Siri, remind me to make appointment for Botox with Dr. McKitten on Monday Remind me to book a lunch with Joseph on Monday noon, B-list. Remind me to follow up with Fred on, oh, whenever, C-list. Kimberly, these new apps you set up for me are just amazing. I divided all my lists into immediate to-dos, tomorrow to-dos, soon to-dos, eventual to-dos, this year to-dos, and before I die to-dos. When a to-do rolls into another time slot without getting it done, my iPhone reminds me every hour until I get it done. <laughs> what could be worse than to die and be buried with your iPhone going off every hour? Turning your whole life into lists could be worse. If you do not do your to-dos, you get nothing done. Every life goal has component parts. I use a perk chart to establish contingency. You have lists for everything? It's how I accomplished what I accomplished. It was not by not doing. 
I am a doer. I do. Always has a title. And not a title. That, Catherine, anyone could get. Apparently not anyone, Alicia. Marge taps her paintbrush in exasperation. Catherine, Alicia, don't move. I can't I was never a glue-on attachment to someone else. I earned my titles and not when it was an easy to do. It's not that easy now. Kimberly, when I was starting out, I refused to learn to type. No one was going to ask me to type up notes after a meeting. Typing? Like on a typewriter? You're joking. I wore suits. Fashionable suits, but always suits. Never anything too girly. What are you thinking? Dressing the way you do? Alicia, everyone dresses like this. Dress for the job you want, not the one you have. This is how my boss dresses. How old is your boss? 27. I'm like the oldest person there. If I didn't know you three, I wouldn't know anyone older than me. But work's not exactly my biggest problem. Nothing's more important than your career. You have it too easy. I work hard. You don't know what it was to be hard. Would you two keep still? I'm trying to fix your places. Fewer than half our managers are women. The two of you are flying off my canvas. Half? My God, I was a first woman. The first to speak at conferences. The first to be invited to sit on a professional panel. The first to join some old boys club. There are hundreds of us first women. The places we were first never made the news, but made us who we are. Please, 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 hold still. The fools I tolerated. Alicia, really, it's not the same. It is always the same. Always a power exchange with men. Men think in terms of who's on top. They live their lives in the missionary position. It's different now. It will never be different. It is biology. It is different. You worked with men. I work with boys. I give up. I am going to paint you one at a time. Marge refers to one of her index cars, which she does intermittently throughout the play. Kimberly, if you can sit still, you will pose first. Okay. I promise not to move. Kimberly poses on the couch. She sits without moving but lowers her eyes to read messages on her iPhone. Catherine and Alicia set the table for lunch. Catherine opens her homemade foods packed in Tupperware. Alicia opens fancy packages from an expensive charcuterie. Marge glances at an index card before speaking. Kimberly, look straight at me. That's lovely. You have always listened to me. I told you how to get that international job. What's wrong with you today? I appreciate it. I do. Catherine, what do you think about Alicia's war? I believe in making love, not war. I prioritized family. We had a lovely home. Would you like to see a picture of me in my home? It was taken on natural. Catherine attempts to show Alicia pictures on her iPhone. Alicia brushes her off. I've seen your pictures. Catherine shows her pictures to Marge. Oh, beautiful Catherine. Truly beautiful. Beautiful. Catherine puts the picture right under Kimberly's nose. The bearskin rug is all I have left of my dear Chandler. He was just the most eager sportsman. He was on one of those fancy fly fishing trips way up near the Arctic Circle. Of course, I wasn't there. But Bill and Dave tell me they were fishing downriver when Chandler got out of the water and hiked up a little bluff to take pictures. You know, so he could show me and the girls how he was thinking of us way up there in Alaska. He set his camera on a rock. 
and took off his shirt. Chandler was one of those real bald men who grow all their hair from their Adam's apple on down when, and I can hardly say this, a big, old, love-starved grizzly mistook that hairy backside for a potential mate. <laughs> it's all there, in high definition and everything. Such an unusual selfie. Oh, do you never stop thinking about him? I never could watch the whole thing. Maybe a, a few times I watched. You know, bears can be just like men. No foreplay at all. And the way that bear was just grunting and groaning reminds me so much of Chandler. Well, that bear, he was one of those males who get so hungry after sex that by the time that grizzly was done, there was hardly anything left of Chandler but his penis and his nose, both so distinctive. Catherine, Chandler is gone. Move on. Alicia, you don't understand. You've never been married. You've never had children. Alicia, do you regret that? You know, not having children, do you feel like you missed out? Children are nothing more than a hormonal reaction to your 30s. If you make your way through that decade without breeding, you won't have any regrets. And as far as marriage, I've decided it is time to obtain a husband. Wasn't one marriage enough? Marge, I've never been married. Oh, I know. I meant to say, why now? I have the time. I want the other side of the bed occupied. If that's what you want, don't get married. What more could you want? Your life seems sort of perfect. I want the same someone to go to restaurants, travel, buy season tickets, you know, the usual. I don't understand. You told me to focus on my career. You said marriage wasn't a good not idea. Not for you. Not now. I'm in another phase. A wedding phase. I have chosen my dress, the florist, the event planner, the caterer, the location. Now I just need... A groom? Where exactly will you find this potential mate? Golf, sailing, tennis. You hate sports. I go where the men go. You're saying you want to marry a man your age, for better or worse, in sickness or in health? You've never taken care of anyone by yourself! Even your parents graciously left this earth in a quick and expedient accident. My parents were the only relatives I ever had. There was no one else after What I... will you do if this husband of one or two years gets sick? Nurse him? Cancel your European trips? Will you stick if your new husband has a stroke? Who sticks these days? For better or worse is for the young, where the odds are in favor of a long better and a short worse. At this age, we marry for the better. For the worse, we give them back to their kids. Finding the right husband is simply a matter of developing a sound marketing plan. You have a marketing plan? I promote the package. I am a woman, 60-ish, attractive, fit, very fit, financially secure, socially liberal, fiscally conservative, an excellent package, if I do say so myself. Why don't you fix up the wrapping on your package? Women our age should be proud of our lines and wrinkles. We earned them. I'm a very attractive woman for my age. For a woman your age? Well, I don't want to look my age, at least not my age, at your age. That's not good enough for me. I want to look real good. A genuine heat-seeking good. 
I couldn't bear hearing people say, oh, very attractive for a woman her age, or even worse, she's quite well-preserved, like I was some sort of plumped-up prune. Catherine, would you be insulted if I asked, I'm just curious, how many surgeries have you had? Everything that can be has been pumped up, sucked up, and tucked up, and I do mean everything. It's too much. What's too much? Dying gray hair, penciling in faded eyebrows, bleaching age spots. And what about that Botox of yours? Doesn't that count? It's, it's a snip here and a pull there, one thing and another. And next thing you know, you're signing the release form scene. You understand the risks. I can get what I want without all that nonsense. Maybe if you didn't look so old, they wouldn't have fired you to make room for younger blood. I was not fired. I was offered early retirement. Don't most offers come with a choice? Look at yourself and your polyamorous lifestyle. I'm not polyamorous. I just like variety. Polyamorous folks talk sex to death. It's verbal pornography. If all I wanted was to talk about sex, I would date men my own age. We could sit around and reminisce. Marge refers to her index cards. Alicia, it's your turn. Kimberly, you can relax. Kimberly uses her iPhone to photograph Marge's painting. When you're done, I'll send everyone the album, and I'll take the finished painting to work and make high-resolution copies for all of us. Next time you come over, you can have it. I promise you. Alicia poses on the couch. She continually turns to speak. Alicia, raise your chin just a little. That's perfect. That's perfect. Do you think monogamy maybe went out with CDs and voicemail? I know in my heart of hearts I want to get married, but then I think, how can only one person satisfy all your needs? And kids. Kids last forever. Everything is changing too fast to want to do anything forever. Catherine samples food on the lunch table. She often speaks with a mouthful. The problem with Alicia's serial monogamy is she's serially lonely. Alicia, the only reason you're considering marriage is you're in the last season. Your series has been canceled. Why would any normal young man want to be with you when there is a whole world full of willing Kimberleys? The Kimberleys scare them to death. They're too complicated. I, on the other hand, am not complicated. I don't judge. I don't compete. I appreciate, and in turn, they appreciate. It's our little mutual admiration society. And the best part, I'm finished with menopause, meaning I'm finished with bloody menstruations and nasty-tempered PMS. What more could a man ask for? I'm a highly sexual woman who makes no demands and has no downtime. The Kimberleys don't stand a chance. You know I'm still in the room. I thought you were busy texting. Have you ever heard of multitasking? Catherine only multitasks in the bedroom. I know how to get what I want, and sex I reserve for relationships with potential. Since when? So now you want to be in love? I hate to tell you, but only wine is admired for being both rare and old. Catherine, do you believe in anything? Anything at all? Sex. And God. And the Republican Party. And I definitely believe in younger men. All they want with you is sex. Well, praise the Lord, my prayers have been answered. I would be sadder than a politician on Judgment Day if all they wanted was to play checkers. It's a risky lifestyle. I practice safe sex. But ain't it something? We finally get to an age where we can make love without getting pregnant. And the gods of practical jokes think of diseases that necessitate raincoats. Oh, 
Condoms. That's another reason for dating younger man. Trying to keep a condom on the erection of a 60-year-old man is just a little less theatrical than the myth of Sisyphus. <laughs> you remember what a head-turner I was? Oh, I walked into any room and all the men's heads just spun around like I was a magnet and their heads were made of iron. Well, the past is gone, Catherine. Oh, she could still turn heads. That's how I met Chandler. I walked into a room and his head just turned right toward me. <laughs> But then I noticed the heads weren't spinning the way they used to. In fact, they weren't spinning at all, not even Chandler's. Well, not in my direction. His head turned away and his body just followed him right out the door. Maybe it's time to shut that door behind him. Catherine, why do you think I should settle down if all you're interested in is variety? And Alicia, you're always telling me to focus on my career, and now you want to find a husband. Now is not your moment. But when I find a man who qualifies, I will acquire a husband. Your manhunt sounds suspiciously like a snipe hunt. Why don't you try online dating? Daryl met several nice girls. I hardly need online dating to find a man. I did online dating. When I first moved here, I signed up on Match.com, OkCupid, JDate. I'm not Jewish, but I figured if I met someone, we could deal with that later. There's hardly a shortage of men in Silicon Valley. There's too many. I thought the sites could do the pre-choosing for me, but it didn't help. How exactly does this internet intercourse work? You write emails. But with some men, all they want are emails. And the guys I want to meet, the mid-30s guys, they're all looking for younger women. You know, like in their 20s. 33 is way too old. That only gets worse. Eventually, you meet for coffee, and they turn out to be short and bald with lisps. And their entrepreneurial business is a marijuana farm in their parents' backyard. The problem is not meeting men. The problem is staying with them. Frank lasted a few months, but he wanted to change me. I sent him an email ending it. You ended your relationship with Frank by email? I could have just texted. I do not have time for long endings. Beginnings are interesting. Endings, not so much. Did time go out of fashion? All these time-saving devices and nobody has any time. There really is no time. You have to stay busy every minute or you miss what's important. My phone lets me watch videos while I'm texting, while I'm working out on my recumbent bike. You have to have a job and be looking for another job. Staying in one job too long and you get stale, out of date. Staying with one person, it's the same thing. And husbands and children, you definitely don't have time for that. But if I'm ever going to have a kid, I should have it now. It makes no sense to interrupt your career. Nothing's made sense since school. I was a student from 6 to 26. I studied, took tests, got good grades. I always knew where I stood, how I was doing. And all of a sudden, I'm out, finished. Where are the grades? Your company is poised to go public. You could make a bundle. You can buy happiness, but you cannot buy money. It's exciting. The travel is really fun, but my eggs... My eggs are sort of passing their prime. What you need to do is freeze some eggs for when the time is right. You want Kimberly to have a baby from an ice tray. You freeze a dozen eggs. And when your career calms down, you get your eggs fertilized. 
No matter how old you are, you always have youthful eggs. You want Kimberly to bank her future in a popsicle? What if her eggs get freezer burn? What if they defrost? What if they mix them up with someone else's? At least when the eggs are on the inside, you know whose they are. You are confusing everything. Catherine's not totally wrong. There is no guarantee. Kimberly should fall in love and get married and have children. It's the way of the world. But I've never been in love. I'm 33, and I've never been super in love. I always thought you just go along, and one day the magic happens. Well, it's never happened. How do these people do it? The ones who fall in love when they're, like, 16. They've met, what, 100 people? Dated 10, 20 people? Had sex with... I don't know, four or five, maybe none. And from that tiny sample set, they fall in love and decide to stay together for the rest of their lives. Just like that. Just like that. I'm a kid in an ice cream store. Some days I like caramel swirl, and some days I just want a nice light sorbet. But other days, it's Heath Candy Crunch. I haven't even tried the salted caramel or double dark chocolate. And every day there are new flavors. Oh, I used to like malts. Especially the strawberry ones. I miss strawberry malts. Maybe some people always knew they loved strawberry. Every ice cream store they go into, they look for the strawberry. Well, I never had a favorite flavor. I always just want to try something new. You understand the importance of children. It's all I think about. There is experiential happiness. You know, the actual happiness of the moment. But with babies, that's all changing diapers and not getting enough sleep. And no one I know who actually has a baby is that happy. They're mostly just tired and bitchy. Those were the happiest days of my life. That's because your brain cells got rearranged. Women I know who were totally into politics and new media become people whose entire universe centers around one 20-pound mass of poop and noise. It's not rearranged brain cells. It's... Overwhelming love. Perceptual happiness. The remembering you, the you who remembers how great it was to have babies. I'm afraid if I don't have a baby, the old me is going to be really angry at the young me. But the young me, the now me, is experientially happy. I just don't want to piss off the future me. Now is not your time. It's not. I'm on the verge, the tip of the verge. It's all about to happen. Anything, everything could happen. Or not. Lunch could happen. I'm ready to take a break. I hope Catherine left some pate for the rest of us. As Kimberly arranges her guacamole and chips in the kitchen, she talks, but no one is listening. Alicia and Catherine sit down at the table. Marge wipes off her brushes and covers her paints. I think I want kids, and I think I want marriage. But then I think, how can I, when honestly, I don't get men. I made my chicken ginger salad. I like men, and they like me, but I don't get them. Of course you did, Catherine. First they ask you out, and then they call you up and ask you what you want to do, where do you want to go, what time do you want to go there, and I end up planning the I bought the, the pâtés at Jacques on university. The only part of the date they take of responsibility for, Of course you did, for, Alicia. In my age group, is they always have condoms. The only time I ever met a guy who wanted to have sex and didn't have condoms was a guy who was sort of older. Kimberly brings guacamole and chips to the table and sits. I don't even get the whole sex thing. It's like I have total control. They want it, I have it. And I like sex, but I don't always want them to spend the night. When I'm trying to sleep, they take over the whole bed. There's no room for me. 
It's it's not just the bed. The taking over. It starts with their conversations. You compromise. Why would I want to trade a world where I matter for one where I'm nothing and nothing I say matters? And I know relationships are supposed to be about compromise, but it doesn't feel like compromise. It feels like being eliminated. Still, I like men. Well, I like ice cream too, but it makes you fat. Marge joins the others. Have some lunch before you worry about eating dessert. Kimberly, everyone falls in love. Well, almost everyone falls in love, don't you think, Alicia? It's not like I don't fall for people. I do. Maybe not that big once in a lifetime, never felt this way before sort of love, but I do fall. Try some of my special salad. You'll like it. I used a vegetarian chicken that free ranged at a Zen Buddhist farm. I fell for Jonathan. He was the older guy, the one without condoms. Like he actually made reservations and planned dates, and I liked it. I liked it a lot. What is that? Low-fat guacamole. Somehow with him, it didn't feel like hanging out or hooking up. It felt, well, like dating, but I hate that word. Low-fat avocados? No avocados. I made it with tofu. Jonathan gave me his recipe. I should miss him, but I don't. He was just saffron ginger, a flavor I hadn't tried. We met that nice friend of yours. I don't remember his name. Was it... Uh... Andrew? Mm. Yeah, he was sort of mint chocolate chip, a flavor I've known since childhood. I don't know if he was Mr. Right and I just didn't see it, or if he was just Mr. Familiar, but not quite Mr. Right. Real love just sweeps you away. <sighs> I wish a big ocean wave would knock me down and make me want to be in love forever and have kids and my friends would all get married and make me feel guilty and, you know, like, it really was time. Getting married and getting divorced are nothing but viruses you catch from your friends. Like the swine flu. Neither you nor Beth seems to understand. If my friends all got married, I would probably want to get married. It is your time to settle down. Settling down or settling for? Settling down sounds like an accomplishment, like achieving another phase of life's journey. But settling for? That sounds like giving up. Like the best you can do. What is it? An adverb or a preposition? It's not a grammatical question, Kimberly. <sighs> Who was this old guy anyway, this Jonathan? I met him at your house. He called me up after you broke up. Jonathan? My Jonathan? <coughs> Choking on her guacamole. I knew I had tasted that guacamole before, but but my Jonathan was young. I thought you said he was old. 46 is old to me. Jonathan, you went out with my Jonathan? Uh, yeah. Do you know what that man did? Well, I guess you do. Instead of bringing condoms, he brought a note from his doctor. A note from his doctor. Oh, give me a break. Well, I know how to handle men like that. When I had my pelvic ultrasound, I grabbed a handful of those giant condoms they slip over that giant dildo they use for their inspection. If someone doesn't have enough respect for me to bring his own condoms, I just get out one of mine. Nothing deflates a man faster than a condom twice his size. Oh, at least I don't have to worry about getting pregnant. <laughs> Kimberly. Kimberly, you're not, you're not, you are, you are not. Yeah, S sort of, a little bit. 
Catherine grabs the guacamole off the table and slams it on the kitchen counter. Alicia abruptly stands up. Catherine and Alicia tower over the seated Kimberly. Marge stays seated. You're a little bit pregnant. I'm taking care of it. Thursday. Taking care of it? I don't want to fall out of the game. Not now. I'm sort of pregnant by accident. You did not catch pregnancy because you forgot to wash your hands. What were you thinking? Were you even thinking? It's not the right time. How does a smart girl like you accidentally I want to have a kid, but not now. Definitely not now. It's just, I don't want the old me to be angry at the now me, to be disappointed the now me missed our one and only chance. Sometimes life just makes these decisions for us. You're going to have a baby. When you take some time and think it over, you'll know... I don't have any more time. And you're just telling us now? I haven't told anyone. No one? Not even Jonathan? Oh, that's the same as telling no one. No. He disappeared after... I don't care. Marge quietly stands up and goes into the kitchen. Throughout the following dialogue, the dings and buzzes of a microwave punctuate the argument. Kimberly stays seated while Alicia and Catherine face off over her. Everything's going to be fine. You'll have this baby. I'll help you. Later on, you'll meet a nice boy and want to get married. It's not exactly the right order, but no one does these things in order these days. I can't keep debating. Debating what? Do you think if men got pregnant, there would be a debate? If men got pregnant, Viagra would be illegal. And the morning after pill would be sold in a 12-pack. As far as I'm concerned, it is decided. It is not decided. It better be decided. You made a stupid mistake, but a mistake you know how to correct. You do not want this baby, and you do not want to get married. And trust me, you do not want the years of hell Catherine endured. Fifteen years were wonderful. It's true, not every day is perfect. Sometimes you just have to hold your breath. And swim underwater till you get to the other side. Kimberly does not want to spend her life swimming underwater. I'm allergic to chlorine. Alicia doesn't understand. She doesn't know what family is. I know what Chandler was doing while his wife buried her head underwater. I did not bury my head. I prioritized family. Families, what you want, Kimberly. But I don't have time to be a mother. I don't have time to be pregnant. Kimberly, you can achieve in a few years what took my entire life. Kimberly doesn't want your nothing life. Women were meant to use our eggs. Your eggs never hatched, left to rot and stay. Alicia's life is awesome. Her penthouse is amazing. All Alicia's ever done is work. Worked all the time. Why? She didn't cure cancer. She was a banker. Her tombstone will read, rest in peace, Alicia Pinkston, Banker! I blazed the trail. All the Kimberleys of this world should get down on their ungrateful knees and thank me for making their choice-ridden lifestyles possible. Alicia, I'm sorry. All this feminist stuff is so yesterday. I am not a feminist. I would never be a feminist. You blazed a trail no one wants to walk on. Women don't want your lonely little highway. Kimberly, mothers live in their children's psyches. It's a sort of immortality. We are the guardian angels they carry with them and pass along to the next generation. My mother's mother's mother and her mother were passed into me and into my grandchildren. My life would have had no meaning without my children. Of course. No meaning. What about living one's own life? Changing the world. Catherine, we're sentient beings, not just baby incubators. Everyone defines you, but you. I define myself as part of a family. 
The whole is greater than the sum of the parts. That's what family is. Why can't you respect me for my choice? Respect you for successfully breeding in an overpopulated world. Congratulations, but if this world doesn't progress, that granddaughter you are haunting as her guardian angel doesn't have much of a future. Why can you not respect my choice? Why I feel you? sorry for you. You don't have anyone to love. I have you. I love you. And Marge and Kimberly and myself. These are the relationships that have outlasted every other relationship in our lives. Kimberly, life is about fulfilling your potential. Kimberly, life is about family. Kimberly, don't throw it all away. Kimberly, don't throw it all away. Oh, I feel like Bella trying to choose between Jacob and Edward between a vampire and a werewolf. What are you talking about? About monsters. Don't you see, Bella loved her monsters, but... I'm the monster I have to love, and I don't know if I can love me whatever I choose. Do I even want my career? Do I even want to be a mother? I should know the answer to those questions, but I don't. I really don't. Marge enters with a tray of teacups. She firmly delivers tea to each woman. Of course you don't. Alicia, green tea. Kimberly, ginger tea. Catherine, chamomile. I don't drink chamomile. I drink it. It will calm you down. Marge takes her own teacup and motions Kimberly to follow. Kimberly, come over here. You two sit down. Don't move. I have a painting I need to complete. We were just... And be quiet. Kimberly has heard enough from you. She can't hear herself think. Kimberly crosses over with Marge to her painting station. Alicia and Catherine sit posing on opposite sides of the couch. Marge talks as she uncovers her paints. Kimberly, what do you want? I want a baby, but I don't want this baby. This is the wrong time, the wrong father, the wrong everything. Amanda said use condoms. What did you expect? One more word out of either of you, you could go sit on the porch. Marge, it's just a stupid, stupid accident. Mm. Is it? Stupid? An accident? Usually when people play with fire, they want to see what will happen if they get burnt. I don't think I could love this baby. A baby! Catherine! I don't even think I would like it. I might even be mad at it. I don't want to be like my mom. You said everyone admired your mother. Everyone did. Everyone thought she was perfect. She was totally into quality time. She planned all our time so we never wasted any but our time together, my time with her, I was like a line item on her day planner. When I was growing up, I thought I'd be different. My kids and me will waste time. We'll hang out doing nothing. We'll wander aimlessly and spend time not getting smarter, not getting anything except maybe time. I wouldn't schedule my kids into my life. I would have this perfect husband, and we would co-parent in this really enlightened way. Our kids would be really smart and creative, and their dad and me, we would just be there for them. I would never be like my mom. But if I have this kid, this kid now, 
I will owe it the best of everything. The best schools, the best clubs, sports, music. I'll hire a nanny who speaks Mandarin and a tutor for math. I'll buy the right house in the right neighborhood with the best schools and make sure it gets into the best university. I'll work really hard to get it everything it deserves. I'll be working all the time so the one thing I won't be able to give it is time. I'll schedule it into my life. I'll schedule quality time. I'll become my mother. I'll be exactly like my mother. You have choices. It doesn't feel like a choice. You're so young. All your choices have been between paths that made you happy. Now you've come to a new crossroad where none of your choices make you happy. My mom thought I'd be a CEO by now. She'd be so disappointed. You make the choice you can believe in. The choice you can own. You're the only one who knows what that is. Sometimes all you can do, even when you know the water is freezing, is strip naked, grab hold of the vine, swing out with all your might, and scream, Geronimo! What if I make a mistake? Oh, you will! You'll make so many mistakes. Brace yourself for life. My mistakes may have been the only thing I ever perfected. That's not true. You've had a remarkable life. Oh, the confusion all started with the moving stairs. The, the what? what? Where? Oh, Harrods, Jenny and me, playing hooky. I would never have gone in, but you know Jenny. You know how she is. Jenny, your your little school friend, Jenny? We marched in, hand in hand, always hand in hand. Plaid uniforms, dirty knee socks. Then, in the middle of the shop, moving stairs. An escalator. Men in suits disappear into the ceiling. Women in hats and gloves appear by magic. Jenny pulls me on. She's holding my hand. Oh, I'm scared, crying so hard I can't see anything. I don't see the last step. Suddenly, she lets go of my hand. What happens if you don't step off the escalator in time? Do you circle around underneath to some inverted universe opposite to where you should be? Am I living upside down? What happened to Jenny? She died. My parents sent me to live in the country, and a few weeks later, our school was bombed. I, I never saw her again. No one I know is dead. Almost everyone I know is dead. After the war, I moved to Notting Hill. We were artists. We traded ration coupons for supplies. What a time that must have been. You were the women who began the change. Were we? I was sculpting, doing what I loved. All I thought about was art. One day, I smiled at a stranger walking out of the cinema. I smiled at Harry. Just a smile. I was too young to know a smile could tilt the universe off its axis. You see, Kimberly, Marge had both a family and a career. A career? I suppose so. Career of sort. Gallery Nouveau does not give just anyone a retrospective. You understand a woman's priorities. Well, perhaps. Perhaps I did. 
when Daryl started school, I leased a studio in an artist collective at Hunter's Point. I've been to open studios there. I went every day. There was an energy. When I was in the finishing stages of a project, I would go late at night after Harry came home from work. Life grew large. There's like 50 studios there. Well, not back then. Harry worried about me, about it being dangerous. He built a studio over our garage, over our very quiet garage, on our very quiet street in our very quiet town. And my life shrank back down to size. You gave up your dream to be a housewife in Burlingame. Marge had a bigger dream. She was a wife and mother. Do you like, you know, regret, Daryl? Regret, Daryl? Do you regret your son? Daryl's a wonderful child. No, not a child, a man, a wonderful man. He smiles. I see myself. He shrugs his shoulders. I see his father. He's my flesh, my spirit. It's rather biblical. How, how could a mother regret her child? Perhaps I regret my life, not my child. After all, I did not fail at the life I wanted, and I succeeded at the life I had. But you wanted a different life. Marge had a wonderful life, a wonderful family. Marge had what every woman wants. Mm, life. Infinite possibilities for happiness. Infinite possibilities for regrets. You had a long, wonderful marriage. That's true, but... Long marriages are just a long time together. An extended warranty on something you're afraid to throw away before it expires. Oh, you're forgetting the way things were. You were very, very happy. Were you happy? Very, very happy? About the warranty? About your marriage. Were you happy? Harry and I were comfortable. I want more than comfortable. Don't underestimate comfortable. Harry loved you. I would have traded a hundred Chandlers for one Harry any day. What was Harry like? You don't remember. Marge, I've only known you for the last two years. Mm. He was an expert in the art of everyday kindness, an easy man to love. I was not an easy woman. That's not true. You created the perfect family. You've seen those picture booths at county fairs with a hole for your head at the top of a fat or skinny body totally unrelated to yourself? Ah, that's how we lived. How I made us live. Our heads stuck in holes on top of strangers' bodies. Oh, you're remembering it all wrong. You spend too much time alone. Your memory is playing tricks. You were a happy family. We were a happy family, but maybe it was our ignorance of each other that made us so happy. Tolstoy was wrong. Happy families are not all alike. Marge glances at an index card. Catherine, your turn. Alicia, you can relax. Catherine lounges in one pose and then another. How's this? Good. Marge walks over to Catherine and gently moves her into position. She lovingly touches Catherine's face as she adjusts her head. Good, good. But look up to the right, turn your body the way you do. Just a bit of a twist. Turn your left shoulder just a bit, just a bit more. 
Oh, that is lovely. Lovely. Now, just turn your head just ever so slightly. Raise your chin. Perfect. That's perfect. Should I tilt my head a bit more? Oh, a little. Only slightly. It's beautiful. Catherine poses. Alicia puts away lunch. Kimberly texts. Marge paints. The others do not hear her as she speaks her private thoughts. Mm. Catherine has the most remarkable way of lounging across furniture, completely disregarding furniture's normal design and function. She loves posing for my nude sketches. After she leaves, what an orgy of masturbation sets in. It is my secret. It would scare her. It would scare me. Vincent wrote to Theo that life was a mystery and love another mystery. And how could one ever hope to understand a mystery inside a mystery? Sex? That is another mystery. Marge now speaks out loud. Mysteries inside of mysteries inside of mysteries. What mysteries? Mysteries? You must be daydreaming, Catherine. Look a little more to the left, you drifted. Did I? Sorry. It is better to love from inside my cardboard cutout. We shall keep our happy friendship. All happy friendships are not alike. Marge? Are you all right? I'm happy painting. Is anyone ever completely happy? I am. You're delusional. Sometimes I don't understand you two. I would never talk to my friends the way you two talk to each other. Oh, we passed friendship by years ago. Somewhere along the line, we stopped being friends and became sisters. We grew up together. <laughs> we grew old together. You grew old. I'll let you go ahead alone. <laughs> but Alicia, you don't even have a Texan accent. Oh, honey, Alicia went to addiction coach when she started her banker career. Now she sounds like she only ever was in Texas, once on a fly-through DFW. Get her mad sometime if you want to hear the real Alicia Pinkston. Catherine is like going home. An abusive home, but still home. Not abusive, just honest. Kimberly, new friends like you because of whom they think you may be. Old friends love each other despite who we know we are. Alicia affectionately reaches for Catherine, who pushes her hand away. Sometimes old friendships are just bad habits. Like smoking cigarettes. Catherine, I have had it with you. Stop! Just stop! Alicia storms out to the screen porch, slamming the door. She pulls out her iPhone. Um, okay, well, uh, I'll just go wash the dishes. Kimberly walks into the kitchen, puts her earbuds in, and quietly sings to her iPhone music. Marge concentrates on painting. Catherine's phone rings, and she answers while still posing. Hello? Put the elephant on. Alicia? Put the elephant on. What are you talking about? I have questions for the elephant. About? About everything. About 25 years ago. About the goddamn elephant. About the line you crossed. Alicia enters the room, still talking on her iPhone. She stands behind Catherine. They continue speaking on their phones. You always knew. I didn't know. Yes, you did. I was aware. That was enough. It was not enough. I'll never forgive you. I wanted something you had. Alicia moves to where Catherine can see her. 
They put down their phones. Catherine stands. You'll be unfinished. I'll come by during the week and you can finish. No, this is as finished as it will ever be. Marge continues painting, though no one is posing. You were so content with your life. Your lies. You washed his clothes. You washed off the smell of other women. You washed off the smell of me. Chandler slept with everyone. You knew it. Everyone knew it. You were so smug. And it was all a lie. You weren't the first, and obviously not the last. I'm forever sorry. But after all these years, Catherine, please, let it go. That's not why I can't forgive you. Then why? You know why. They stare at each other. How? A child would have made it real. A child would have made real what we all pretended was never real. Why did you pretend not to know? Why didn't you... I wasn't strong enough to lose a husband and a best friend on the same day. Would it have made a difference if I had said something? Would I have made a different choice? I like thinking I would have, but the honest truth, no. It wouldn't have made any difference. I did like blaming you. I should have tried. I should have said something. I should have at least yelled at you. I wish you would have yelled. We should have fought. What can I say to change Kimberly's mind? Nothing. I have to change her mind. Kimberly is not the daughter who won't listen to you, and she is not the daughter I never had. Kimberly takes off her earbuds and walks back toward the others. She snaps pictures, unwittingly capturing the tense moment. Why all this arguing? Let the past go. You are not condemned the way I am to fall helplessly into yesterday. You will need each other when I'm gone. March, when you move, you'll be closer to us. We'll see each other all the time. You promised we would talk. Later. I want to finish. Just promise to stop going after each other. I want today to be perfect. I'm sorry. I'm just so afraid. Afraid of making the wrong decision. Afraid of wasting time. Afraid of making a mistake. You don't have to apologize, but don't be afraid. If you've no time for mistakes, you've no time for life. Kimberly is right about time. There are too many options to waste time on the wrong one. I will get what I want. I always do. I started reading the obituaries. Widowers may be my best bet. I suppose that is one way to meet men. I wonder if men find me through Chandler's obituaries. I run them every year since he passed. Did I tell you how he died? It was just the most tragic story. Catherine. Chandler's Moose Lodge put up a float for Carnival. They built this three-ring circus on top of one of those... Caterpillar tractors, you know, where a big loop of rubber goes round and round underneath. Alicia mouths the words of Catherine's story, which she knows by heart. They were decked out with big black shoes and great red noses and orange hair sticking out of these bald-looking caps. Chandler stepped back to get a better picture of the guys throwing beads to the crowd, and oh, he stepped right off the front of a float. He got caught under the tractor treads and starts going round and round, getting flatter and flatter till he's just this little black and orange pancake of a clown. Oh, All that was left of Chandler was his penis and his nose, both so distinctive. <laughs> 
His camcorder jammed in the treads and he kept filming and filming. I entered the video in an amateur contest and Chandler took second prize, <laughs> though obviously it was a posthumous award. I know I look too young to be a widow. Good, because you are not a widow. I never expected to be a widow. I always thought Harry would be a widower. I thought I would die first. You can never predict. When the earth will tilt. All the way off its axis. All four women stare off into space. They can hear each other, but they're not speaking to each other as much as privately remembering. And one morning he didn't wake up. The night before we had Petrali Soul and a not very good Chablis. After dinner, Harry wanted to play Scrabble, but I wanted to read my New Yorker. He went to bed early. In the morning, I brought him his coffee, but he was gone, dead. I just sat on the bed drinking his coffee. If I had known, I would have bought a much better Chablis. Harry was always so predictable. How could he do such a surprising thing? When Chandler left, I opened the Bordeaux we had been saving for our anniversary. I knew he would leave. I always knew he would leave. But then when he did, I was shocked. He was always leaving, but I couldn't believe when he actually left. I just sat there drinking the Bordeaux. I felt so alone. I was passed over for a promotion in favor of a man who was working for me. He was my underling, my nothing, but he was given my promotion. I sat there in my office, looking out the window at a squirrel, trying and failing to reach this bird feeder. Stupid squirrel. Those sunflower seeds were never meant for him. I sat there, looking out the window. I felt so alone. I peed on the stick after I missed my period. I had the stick in one hand and my iPhone in the other. I read tweets, texts, Facebook updates as I watched the stick turn pink. And there was nothing I wanted to share. Nothing to say. No emoticon for what I felt. I was so alone. I just sat there and felt so alone. After Harry's passing, I spent days weeping. Friends brought food I couldn't eat. Daryl was beside himself with worry. I couldn't find the strength to speak. What they didn't know, what they must never know was the whispering of the smallest voice inside my head. It's your turn, Marge. You're no longer a wife. You're no longer someone else's definition. I sat there. I felt so alone and so free. Chandler loved Irish Spring. We always had Irish Spring in the shower, in the bath. When I went shopping after he left, I stood there staring at all the soaps, all the fragrances, all the brands. I could choose any soap I wanted. 
I just stood there. I was free. You never thought to have two different brands of soap? It never occurred to me. Now I go into fancy boutiques and buy expensive French soaps just because I can. Maybe all those soaps exist for the women who finally get to choose. <laughs> the ladies admire Marge's painting. Marge, honey, your painting is beautiful. Look at that. I've become a cubist. <laughs> I have trouble sighting a face, arranging the eyes above the nose, putting the chin under the mouth. The paintbrush feels like a foreign object. When once it felt like an extension of myself, I thought it was the arthritis, but my fingers no longer communicate with my brain. They've been left on their own, fingers, hands, marooned at the ends of my arms. Kimberly snaps a picture of the portrait that Marge has just finished. Marge has painted herself into the portrait. I love it. It's awesome. Did Jenny and I get off the stairs in time? Marge, that was 70 years ago. Jenny is dead. Do you remember? I know Jenny's dead. You thought I could forget? Marge uses a wet rag to partially blur her own face in the portrait. Are you done for today? I'm done, period. You're done with the painting? No. Done means done. Done. With forgetting. You're just tired. Everyone's memory gets worse when they're tired. I'm not just tired. I'm tired of forgetting. I'm tired of this. Marge, you're perfectly fine, but we do need to talk. I'm not fine. I'm not perfectly fine. Marge, you are fine. I pretend. I write notes. Marge throws her index cards on the floor. Your names. Today is Sunday, where I left my paintbrushes. <sighs> Friday, I made oatmeal for breakfast. I sat on the porch with my coffee and cigarettes, waiting for the oatmeal to cook. I was enjoying the aroma of burning wood, the crackling of logs in the fireplace, the warmth of my home through the open door. Suddenly, my neighbor burst in, calling my name, dousing the flames. I called him Harry. I forgot. I do not have a fireplace. I do not have a Harry. I asked Al to turn off the gas. I thought about cleaning the burnt pot, but I threw it away. Soon, all too soon, soon, I will forget why the notes exist, how to use the microwave, why I own paintbrushes. We'll get you whatever you need. We'll help you move. Don't worry about money. We will you make know, sure... I never married for money. But you certainly did divorce for it. Come on, Marge. 83 is the new 70. Lots more paintings. More walks with friends. More days with us. Days I won't remember. I watched my mother and my aunt succumb. Their memories, nothing more than pictures torn from scrapbooks, scattered helter-skelter across the floor. A tornado passing through their brains. Now those winds pass through me. It's only a... I try to recollect to recollect my images, to pick the pictures off the floor, to put them back in order. I want to remember, to remember it, but I can't. I can't put any of it in order. I have 
lost myself inside myself. This is depression talking. Maybe it's a chemical imbalance. I am not chemically imbalanced. The fact that I'm not happy about my future only proves I am rational. I have decided to take a Socratic oath, or more accurately, a Socratic exit. What sort of exit? Socrates was condemned to drink the hemlock. He had no choice. Neither do I. I am condemned as much as Socrates ever was. As the ladies realize what Marge has in mind, Alicia moves away from the others and turns her face away, hiding her emotions. Kimberly is frozen into silent disbelief. Catherine confronts Marge face to face. You're not in your right mind. And never will be again. What do you want? I don't understand what you want. I what? My paintings? My walks? My friends? My family? I want to drive my car, spend my money, buy my food. I want to experiment with my colors on my palette. I want to write my words. I want to create and recreate my world. I want to live my life, but I can't have what I want. Death is not waking up, but Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's is a long nightmare. It is sleepwalking until you finally fall asleep. I wiped the drool from my mother's chin. I know this disease we have been intimate, far too intimate. I don't want it. I won't have it. I won't do it. I won't allow that. You won't allow? Suicide is not an option. God chooses when we arrive and when we depart. We cannot usurp God. I'm not usurping God. God is usurping me. Kimberly cleans Marge's brushes and puts away tubes of paint, as if readying them for the next time Marge paints. Don't you want to finish her portrait? We'll come back next week. Unfinished for you three is quite appropriate. Wouldn't you be afraid? Afraid? Oh, yes, I am afraid. I am afraid of the unknown. But even more afraid of waiting too long, botching the job. We are both of us making choices we would rather not make. There are rules. God gave us life. We cannot choose to give it back. Who owns my life if not me? If God wants my life so badly, he can take it. Outright. I'm ready to close the deal. I'm calling, Daryl. Uh, Catherine, who made you the arbiter of right and wrong? Why do you think you have any right to decide for me? That Daryl has a right to decide. It's too soon. This is crazy talk. Don't you understand my future? Our futures? I will accuse you of theft. I will regret my life and convince you to regret yours. But the worst is, I will forget I have secrets, my own private thoughts. I will embarrass you when I blurt them out. You've been friends for over 30 years. I doubt you have any secrets. I don't know. There isn't enough Botox in the world to keep your face from cracking if you knew the truth. This disease will take my pride. It will take our friendship. It will take... Everything I have spent my life denying. Catherine, Marge, listen to me. I have a... I, ha I have a responsibility to protect Marge. You want to protect me? Protect me from turning into a child? I won't remember you. 
I will put mustard on my strawberries, cuddle stuffed animals. You will smile at my childish pleasures, but after visiting me, you three will lunch together silently, unable to find words. You want to protect me? Protect me from becoming a diapered baby, babbling incoherent nonsense, exuding a certain unmistakable perfume of eau de urine? You want to protect me? We've been through so much together. We can go through this. If you want I... to clean up shit from something you love, get a dog. That's not fair. Life isn't fair. You've never understood, Catherine. Life just happens. If you want rules, play Monopoly. But life, I'm sorry, life was never told about your rules. Chandler left, Alicia was fired, Kimberly is pregnant, I got sick. How is any of that fair? At the end, I will forget how to swallow. Daryl will be asked if he wants to keep the shell of his mother alive with a feeding tube. You will gather round and watch with pity as I slowly, ever so slowly, starve to death. I will revert through the stages of life, but without a womb to crawl into. How fair is that? I'm going to talk with Daryl. This is wrong. It is wrong. Catherine gets out her iPhone. Marge stops her. Both women have their hands on the iPhone and have a tug of war over the phone throughout the following dialogue. Rules, Catherine, rules. Did you ever think Chandler just got tired of your rules? How dare you? I am trying Give me to... that! Marge falls violently back onto her chair as Catherine loses her grip. Alicia rushes to Marge's side. The phone flies through the air, landing near Kimberly. Kimberly picks up the phone. Marge, are you all right? Did she hurt you? Listen. Listen to me. I have a plan. Both of you, stop fighting and listen. Marge, you are still you. You are sentient, and that's all that matters. I won't be sentient much longer. Even a vegan would eat me. Sentient or not sentient is not the point. Alicia, our bodies aren't... Empty vessels? Our bodies are temples that house our souls. Catherine, your temple has so much silicone, it could go on indefinitely. Why, you might be immortal. Marge, you take every minute life offers you. Stay as long as you are aware. These last few months are precious. Precious to you. Precious to us. Precious to me. When the time comes, I will do what is necessary. Do you understand what I'm saying? Don't deny me our friendship. I promise. I understand what I must do. I understand my responsibility. I will not let you down. What? You'll make one of your checklists? You've been missing in action for years. Postcards, emails. But where were you? You were supposed to be here once a month. Was once a month too much for you? You finally start showing up regularly and you offer to murder Marge now that it fits your schedule? How remarkably generous. It is all I can offer. You three are all I have. We're the second Sunday sisters. We're family. The second Sunday of every month. The second Sunday of every month. The second Sunday of every month. I look forward to our days to get... You cannot take that away. I know I was busy when I was working, but knowing you were here, somehow it was enough. 
knowing somewhere I had a family, people I loved, people who loved me. I need you. I need us. It is not murder when it is an act of love. This, us, this is all I have. Thank you. But no, the courts call it murder. I won't leave a mess. Life is messy enough. Death should be neat. You want it neat? <laughs> you sound like you're ordering a cocktail. Alicia, you're just full of murder today. First you want Kimberly to kill what's never been born. Then you offer to help Marge end her existence. How do you even know what to do? How do you know? I used the internet like you showed oh. me. I ordered Final Exit from Amazon. I got it as an e-book. <laughs> Seemed a bit silly to get hardbound. I visited doctors, lied to get pills, chose Glenn Gould playing Box Concerto Number no. 5 and a William Favre Grand Crew Chablis, a very good Chablis. You know, I found that lovely rose-colored scarf Harry gave me for our last anniversary. I spent weeks painting portraits of those I love so I wouldn't be alone. I rehearsed several times. I wanted to be sure I could carry it through. I must act now while I have the capacity. If I wait, it will be too late. You've rehearsed? Suicide is something people rehearse? Daryl has a right to be here. He has a right to stop you. No, he doesn't. Daryl would feel compelled to stop me, and I love him too much. I would be compelled to be stopped. I don't want to be stopped. And I don't want Daryl to live with guilt. So why tell us? Why tell me? Daryl and I talked this morning. I said goodbye. He'll understand tomorrow. My choice. The loss of choice is not something men live with. But, Catherine, you? You. I wanted... I had to tell. I didn't want you to be angry or to feel there was something more you could have said or done. I wanted you to understand. None of you are any better than Chandler. You think you can leave any time you want. We have an obligation to each other. You don't have... You don't just leave when it gets difficult. Marge does not want the daily indignities of this disease. Can you not understand? Understand. Daily indignities. You want to talk daily indignities? Where were you, Alicia, during my daily indignities? Where were you when I saw pictures of Tammy in Chandler's camcorder wearing nothing but stilettos and black hosiery? Where were you when Bill helped Chandler move his things? I didn't even know Chandler had his things, and I had her things. I thought we had our things. Where were you when Tammy drove over in her new yellow sports car? She said she was there to pick up his girls. Our girls! They're our girls! <gasps> Daily indignities? I'm an expert. And now you're here to help Marge avoid her daily indignities. Well, I'm... <laughs> I'm glad you could finally show up for something, but you're not going to stop me. I'm calling Daryl. Catherine, do not betray Marge. Betray Marge. You are offering to murder her, and you call me the betrayer? I don't know you, Alicia. Fifty years of friendship, and I don't know you. Suicide is wrong. It is always wrong. Marge, you, you, you must. You, 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 
You need to march, fight, find small pleasures, survive. Other people do. They write books. They write blogs. They recreate their reality. You can choose to live on. Kimberly, give me my phone. Kimberly hands over Catherine's phone. Catherine tries to call, but she cannot get her phone to work. What did you do? I told you, you need to password protect your phone. I added a password. What is it? Tell me what it is. You'll eventually figure it out. Who are you people? Kimberly, give me your phone. You're too young to understand what's at stake. I understand. Marge told me to make my own choice. A choice I could own. All Marge is doing is making a choice she can own. Catherine, if you are diagnosed someday with this disease, with any disease, and you want to see it to the end, I will be with you every day. I will respect your choice, but that's not what Marge wants. It's not her choice. I don't understand everything. I don't understand where life begins and ends or what gives life meaning. I only know that Marge has made her choice. I've come to terms with death. I don't know what comes next or if there is a next, but it's you three and Daryl I worry about. It's as if I'm boarding a ship for a grand adventure and leaving you behind on the dock. Catherine, please, don't fight me. I'm going. Let me go in peace. Catherine, it is time for us to say goodbye. Have you all lost your minds? I thought we had already established that, at least in my case. Catherine, all of you, it is time to go and for me to rest and to be alone with my portraits before the fugitive colors fade. March, don't give up. Catherine, you have it all wrong. Death is not defeat. Do you think life ends in failure? Death is a mere dot at the end of a very long sentence. Death is not the story, not the sentence, not the phrase, not even the word. It is merely the most insignificant of punctuation marks. We have shared so much. Let go of the dot, Catherine. Let go of me. Catherine stares at the phone. Alicia stares down at her hands, hiding her emotions. Kimberly looks directly at Marge. Marge looks at her painting and then smiles at her friends. I don't know what to say. Goodbye would suffice. I love you. We had a good day, didn't we? Take care of each other. Marge, I, I can't. You can. Catherine... You can be strong. You are strong enough to be aware and to know. And to say goodbye. March. It's time. Drive carefully. These roads are treacherous at night. I'll see you all on the other side of the escalator. Alicia puts her arm around Catherine and helps her to depart. The strength of their friendship is evident. Kimberly looks back at Marge, and then she leaves. Marge speaks to her portraits. Art is the lie that reveals the truth. Hmm. You think you know your truth? One day you may very well surprise yourselves. Marge arranges the portraits she has painted. 
She turns on the Bach concerto that plays throughout the final scene. She pours a glass of Chablis and puts on her beautiful scarf. She sips the wine. Kimberly quietly returns. Kimberly? I thought you left? I drove separately. Catherine and Alicia saw me leave. No one knows I turned around. No one knows I'm here. I was thinking... I've never heard Glenn Gould's version of the Bach Concerto. I thought I would like to sit and listen to it with you. I have time. You're not afraid? Very. I'm afraid of the unknown, but even more afraid of you botching the job. We are both of us making choices we would rather not make. Have you chosen? Yes. The old me will be happy. The young me will have to learn to change diapers. They sit in silence, listening to the Bach concerto. Marge lifts her glass of wine in a toast. Geronimo. End of play. This has been a production of Play for Keeps. Thank you for joining us. Thank you.